In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Hey everybody, what's up? This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Triple, and you're listening to The Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. I am joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. It's All Soul, Wednesdays 8 to 10. Where? On G-Town Radio. Why do I have to keep telling I you know. how to plug your show? I know, it's the producer in you. <laughs> It's the it's the bad hosting. Yes, yes, yes. That's what it is. Yeah. It ain't my show. <laughs> you know, um, you know how like in Star Wars it's always a scene in between the action where it's like Han Solo or Chewbacca running up and down the Millennium Falcon with like duct tape? Yes. Yeah, that's me. That's that's pretty much how I run my show. <laughs> and thus it's ratings. It's the <laughs> <laughs> It's the fastest ship in the quadrant, but it's held together by duct tape. Yes. Uh, Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are reviewing the 2016 Academy Award winning Best Picture of the Year. Director Barry Jenkins, writer, director Barry Jenkins, Moonlight. Um, But before we do that, we have a great deal of feedback and actually some news that we do have to share. All right. News. Yes, well, the news will come in just a moment. But first, we have a uh, great deal of feedback in regards to our Michelle Mission question of the day from last week, which was, what is your favorite black soundtrack? Yes. We got a boatload of responses on this uh, via Instagram, via uh, at Michelle Mission via Twitter at Mission Michelle um, and via Facebook. We got a a whole lot of responses. We heard from Mindy Laugh at MLaugh1222. Okay. Who said her favorite uh, soundtrack is Do the Right Thing, hands down. Wow, that's a good one. That's a very good soundtrack. That's a good one. That's a very, very good soundtrack. And no, no shame in that whatsoever. Um, we also heard from Joe Lechuga. What's up, Joe? Hey, what's up, Joe? At Lechuga underscore Joseph. He said, Set a, setting aside the obviously great Purple Rain. Yes, yes, of course. He says that he is going with Shaft. Mm. You know, that Shaft is a bad mother. Yeah, your mouth. I'm just talking about Shaft. <laughs> That's um, I, I I could have called Shaft being uh, up there. Oh, of course. In a lot of responses, a lot of people, you know, rep hard for Shaft. That that soundtrack done by the immortal Isaac Hayes. Isaac Hayes. Uh, the they tried not to give him the Oscar. What do you mean? They tried not to give him the Oscar because he can't read because he couldn't read music. 
True story. So they were going to hold that against They him. were not. They, there was a movement to not give him the Oscar for best, best soundtrack because he couldn't read music. What's that got to do with the music? Hate. Hate. That's all, man. Hate. That, that is that is baked in hate. Yeah. Man. That yeah. is that is crazy. Yeah. The real Deshen. Um, he couldn't just choose one. Okay. There are too many for me to pick one. All right. That's what he said. Uh Superfly. Okay. Good. Black Caesar. Black Seat. Hey, that's good stuff. That Black Caesar. Love Jones. Pay the cost to be the boss. Love Jones, good when we, we talked about that yeah. when we reviewed it. Yeah. Don't be a menace. Oh, that's interesting. I'm not even familiar with that. You know that movie? No, I know the movie. I didn't. I never paid attention to the soundtrack. Nobody did. It's okay. Real Deshen. Okay. Um, what made the first two so dope, Superfly and Black Caesar, w- was that they weren't a bunch of random songs someone picked out. They were songs scored by one artist for a film. Yes, very true. And Curtis Mayfield tried to be subversive with his lyrics because he didn't want to um, glorify. Mm-hmm. The life of priest, right? So he, you know, made a point to have all the lyrics kind of say, "This is bad stuff happening." Exactly. Even though it sounds magnificent, yeah, yeah, it, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, but don't do it. But don't do it. <laughs> um, and he also says, "How could I forget Purple Rain?" Of course, the mean black girl, Charmel Scipio. All right, said that definitely waiting to exhale. Shoop shoop. Although I'm also partial to the barbershop soundtrack. Interesting. I don't remember off the top of my head what was on there. Uh, I don't remember either, yeah. really. But I'm, I'm, you know, it probably was a good. Cool yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think her repping for the barbershop. With all due respect to Charmel, I think that be, may be another one of those. It when that came in at her age. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. The barbershop is like at least 10 years old now, Yeah, yeah. Right? Maybe more than that. Right. Yeah. So you got to figure and Charmelle is in like in her mid 20s. Okay. So I, I so I can I can see that. Uh George Carmona. Yo, what's up, dude? Fan Bros. He uh shouts out Dave Chappelle's Block Party. That's a good one. Because of the roots, Erica Badu, yeah, Big Dead Daddy Prez, Def, yeah, Scott, yeah. Fuji's. And a, and a whole ton of people yeah, that's that, he's, a good one. that he's forgetting. Yeah, that is a good one. Jill Scott and Erica Badu doing You Got Me. Yep. The writer and the performer. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, uh, and I may be mispronouncing this. I apologize. Morse Gofi shouts out the Life soundtrack. The Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence. You know what? I remember that being interesting. Yeah, so do I. We should do Life sooner than later. We should. Life is an interesting movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's a very, very good Surprisingly movie. dark when you think about it. When you than, really think Like, about when you think about it for more than 15 seconds, mm-hmm. it's a pitch black film. Really? Especially, like, that whole beginning thing. It doesn't really get, like, funny, funny until they get into prison. Right. Because that whole, like... On the streets thing, yeah. That life on the streets, and then even having to deal with how the court system deals. Yeah. Oh from. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a movie like yeah. That, that it it takes you some places, man. For real. It's actually one of the things that frustrates me about Eddie Murphy's Eddie, choices. Yes. Because when you see him make a choice like life, yes. So, but yes, you're absolutely not to, right. Not to get us off of Terry Jingles. What's up, dude? Hey, what's up, Terry? Now he broke it down. As far as soundtrack, okay, he would give props to Above the Rim. That's a good one. Yeah. That's good 90s hip-hop soundtrack. 
That's yes. almost juice level soundtrack. Almost. But as far as score, uh-oh, film score. All right. He would give do the right thing. That's a good score. Yeah. That's a good score. Yeah, I believe that's Terrence Blanchard. Yes, it is. Yeah. It definitely paints the picture. Yeah, there. boy. That's a good one. Your man, uh, Donald Eli Design. Hey, what's up, Don? Uh, along with shouting out a couple that we've already been mentioned, Purple Rain and Love Jones. And he shows some love to Bamboozled soundtrack. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good one. He gives love to the soundtrack from Set It Off. Not, that's a good one. Yeah. I just saw Set It Off was just on TV. I know. Day. That's another one I watch anytime it's on. That's a rough movie. Uh, and um, Girl Six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we, we talked about Girl Six. Man, you lost me with Girl Six there. It's a good sound. Well, at the moment, it was the only place you could get that print stuff. So, uh, okay, I have a lot of affection for Girl Six. Fair enough. The good Doctor Sheena Howard. All who, right, um, who I hope to have on the show uh, sooner than later. Um, gives love to Waiting to Exhale. Shoop shoop. Yeah, that me is a, that is a soundtrack that I found myself playing a lot oh, you know what it's probably horrible what i'm about to say but i'm gonna say it. i think the thing about whitney houston mm-hmm. is that they trod so hard to make her pop mm-hmm. that the soul music that she made you hold on to it so tightly yeah so it's like the preacher's wife soundtrack waiting to exhale like there are these moments where whitney houston was allowed to actually sing r&b mm-hmm and it's it's it was just a treasure. Very, very few and far between. Because as much you no know, no no just to her pop music. I mean you know, no no no. I want to dance with somebody and all that, but yeah. Know, but I mean her R&B first dude. her first album is like it's still probably her best album. Yeah. To me, yeah yeah. You know it, it, because it's just pure. It's one pure joy of singing and pure. I think she is her most soulful throughout yeah. the album. Yeah, Clive Davis took care of that though. Okay, yeah, very true. Yeah, he, <laughs> he said, what's this? Get this out of here. Um, Dan Dinkins. Yo, what's up? What's up, Dan? Starting five po- podcast. Said, is High School High considered a black movie? Because that's my favorite. I would say so. I'm it. not familiar with it. High School High? I was not a big red man. Like that red man, method man when they were sort of a comedy duo, mm-hmm. I was never a big fan of that little coupling. Okay. E. Mac, the master triple. All right. Show some love to the best man. Good soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that was cool. 90s was a great time for these soundtracks. It was. Yeah. It very much was. Um, and uh, Science Stuff with Steph. Okay. Hey, what's up, Steph? Who does a really great podcast? The Dope Science Show. Really okay. listen to it. Stephanie, she she's all that. She's so so infectious about her love of science. That's she, all just, right. That's just beautiful. loving it. Um, she repped along with Love Jones. She sold some love to the color purple. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good that one. That a lot of people like the score and the, the soundtrack. soundtrack. You know what? Just to show my age, it was a hard soundtrack to get a hold of for a while. Cause it had gone out of print, yeah. or it was like like they they only had like a um like some type of weird package where like I remember trying to get the color purple soundtrack, and it was actually expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, Hood Cinema TV gives love to New Jack City. 
Yeah, yeah, New Jack swingy stuff. And the New Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I believe Big Bub is on there too. Is Big Bub on I there? I believe Big Bub is on Big Bub from you know, remember group people? Oh, from um Damn, you ain't gonna I call just it. forgot. You ain't gonna call it. Uh, well, you know why? Because I can't get it out my. Mm, do you really want him, <laughs> yeah. or do you really want me, or do you really want him? <laughs> Big Bub from the um, <laughs> the one hit wonder <laughs> New Jack R and B group today. He was in today. Yeah. Quietly, I ain't gonna say somebody at this table actually has Big Bub solo CD sitting somewhere. But if you point at me, I'll whistle. I don't have Big Buff solo CD. Yes. I do have both of us today. <laughs> so we've now unlocked the secret <laughs> of the Michelle mission. We are fans of the vocal stylings of Big Bub. Big Bub can do no wrong. Now, Big Bub, that's the one that should have got on. You talk about Freddie Jackson, who you need to really be down with is Big Bub. <laughs> <laughs> do you really want him or do you really want me him me him all right let's because i'll just start talking about big bub okay <laughs> <laughs> okay so i've shouted out all of those people but that's because i have to save love for delilah robin for black heroes matter Okay. For oh, there's a whole ton of people, and and I'm I'm gonna pull up their I'm gonna pull up their names in a second because they all gave love to one soundtrack above any other soundtrack. Oh. This soundtrack uh, above not it's not even a question of the ones that they love they they had much love for oh, this. Oh, this one. should be interesting. Uh, I just want to Who is the clear winner? I'm about to of the show mission um, question of the week. I trouble Khalif. I know somebody else I, I, uh, rained down love for this person. Also the Black Geeks gave love to this soundtrack. And that soundtrack is The Wiz. Oh. Yeah. I guess it goes without saying. I mean, you know. Yeah. Everybody wants to ease on down. I mean, ease yeah. on down the road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, then the question is what people know about the, the Wiz original cast recording with the other song from The Scarecrow. Ooh. Oh, I used to know what that song was. <gasps> I was born on a day before yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Wiz. Song, yeah. I wonder why they cut that from the movie. I'm glad you asked. See, this is where my It's All Soul stuff comes out. <laughs> Quincy Jones mm-hmm. wanted a song that showcased Michael's voice better. Yeah, because I couldn't see Michael really. And You Can't song. Win is part of the original. Yes. The original, the original book. The original book. But they cut it when it went to Broadway. Oh, really? They cut it when it initially went to Broadway. Quincy Jones was looking for a song for um, Michael that he thought could... Um, Showcase his voice better. Right. And he went back to You Can't Win. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. Because when I saw The Wiz, it certainly wasn't the original run. Right. But You Can't Win was in there. You I Can't Win was they, now they, in it. They put it yeah. back in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yep. 
Oh, that's cool. Yep. That's cool. Now, the original recording um, with the original cast, so that's Stephanie Mills. Yes. Now, I know you are a devotee of Diana Diana Ross, and you like Diana Ross in The Wiz. I I love Diana Ross in The Wiz. But can you hear the distinct difference, at least vocally? I mean, Stephanie Mills is a better singer than Diana Ross. Like, you know, I think you got to start there. Right. And then, you know... My, I, you know, I'm trying to save my whiz talk for when we actually do, it, do yeah. the whiz. I like Stephanie Mills is a better singer than Diana Ross. I don't think that's even worth debating. Right. I still like Diana Ross's version better from the film because I like 30 year old Dorothy better than 15 year old Dorothy. That's a conversation for our yeah, review. Right. That's definitely a so, conversation. So, for our you know, review. I have a whole philosophy about Diana Ross. Okay. That's fair enough. But I do want to ask you it, it's funny how it's funny how these conversations go um that we, you know, by evoking the whiz, clearly the winner here as hands down most people's favorite uh, soundtrack, we uh got into Stephanie Mills, who is another one of those people who I think is a lost voice of the 80s and 90s. Yeah. I, I don't think that she is um, appreciated as highly as she should be. And I think part of that, to be fair, is because of the the song selections that she made yeah. at that time. Yeah. And, and, and admittedly, at that time, it was hard to for, for especially uh, female singers to carve out a... a a distinct identity for themselves yeah. at that time. So I think Stephanie Mills definitely like kind of you didn't know what night she wanted to be pop or super soulful, you know. Well, I think it was hard for her to make that leap. Like I actually am a big fan of her late 70s dance me. I think she was on like I think it was Champagne Records. Like she was mm-hmm. on this real little label and she had like these really funky dance albums and then you know my I, my have I have my whole theory about that moment, especially mm-hmm. with these black female R and B singers. Mm-hmm. You know, Hurricane Whitney Houston hit, and nobody really knew what to do. Yeah, that's besides, true. you know, I think the game. I think a lot of these sisters wanted that Whitney Houston money, right? And how can I figure out a way? To How change my that? game up, yeah, to try yeah. and get this Whitney Houston money, right? And then after, and by the time they figured, either they were found their lane, or said, "Okay, I, I think I've got you know my my niche, my Whitney Houston, right?" On then by that time, at least in my eyes. Mary J. Blige hits. I mean, and, and changes the game. I mean, again. frankly, you're already too. You, you know, I think a lot of these singers were already too old for the video age. Like the video age yeah. hit, yeah, and and it caught a lot of them flat footed. I right. think, um, and you know, we really do need to stop this because and talk about the movie because now you've hit like like I've, I've hit like, your nerve. Like literally, I'll sit here for a couple of hours and talk because <laughs> you know it is the whole thing where the R and B divisions mm-hmm. dried up at these record labels. Yeah, uh, the budgets went away yep. so that you know people couldn't have our uh, actual musicians. Yeah, uh, yep. the yep. producers mm-hmm. dried up, and and it was really just a tough time. Yeah, and somebody like Stephanie Mills, who you know Stephanie Mills is a great singer but like you think about the r&b singers and especially the women you know of course things are going to be harder for them who kind of rode this out 
Like Stephanie Mills is a great singer, but she's no Patti LaBelle. She's yeah. no Aretha Franklin. She's no, no Gladys, Gladys Knight. Knight. Like, you know, you kind of, you know, they kind of had hits at this moment that compared to their 70s stuff, I would say was a little lacking. But that's because yeah. I'm a soul dude. Right. But still legitimate hits. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, like Aretha Franklin can have sort of a post who zoom and who. Mm-hmm. Greatest hits album. Yep, and Gladys Knight has Save the Overtime. Right, exactly. And right. you know, so I think Stephanie Mills just kind of got caught in that maelstrom. Yeah, but yeah. you know, it's Along a shame. With a few. Along with a few, like her, Mickey Howard. I mean, the name goes on. Oh, oh, again, you know, we can sit like this is actually one of my one of my things. Right about this this moment. Right, because you know, as I've said before, I also think this is the moment that pushed cats our age. In the hip hop, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like I don't know what, like, like you know, I'm a little boy, and my parents are playing Rock Steady, mm-hmm. which is the blackest song ever made. <laughs> <laughs> like Aretha Franklin singing Rock Steady in 1974 is actually peak blackness. That's right. It's no more black than that. That's very like it's Dennis Haysbert with facial hair black. <laughs> and now you know it's like. You know, Gladys Nice singing License to Kill from the James Bond soundtrack. It's like this I I need something a little blacker than this. So You're right. Uh, uh Joe Lechuga also uh asked well he's he, he mentioned. Um he said uh Len Len Len. Not angry. Oh. Just disappointed. Oh, what did you do? That's a great theme song. He's talking about the theme song to coffee. <sighs> See, now you know. So Hashtag I didn't, I, don't be like that. I didn't say anything. I just you know. well one. I'll oh say something. boy, here we go. Nobody chose coffee as their best <laughs> uh, as their favorite soundtrack, and I told you that I mean, no one would. Yes, you did. You did, and and I wouldn't have chosen it as my favorite. Nobody even na- nobody even named nobody. It. You're absolutely, of course. Nobody chose Claudine, which is what I would have chosen. That's not your favorite soundtrack. Claudine is my favorite black soundtrack. Really? Are you serious? It's two songs. It's it's an entire album filled with songs, actually. Okay, well, if you listen to the, you've watched the movie. It's basically two. Yeah, songs. Yeah, well, I'm talking about the album. That's not your favorite song. It's my favorite. It's not. It's not. I. It's not. Think Curtis Mayfield made the best soundtracks of the '70s. I like Claudine better than I like Superfly. Okay, but it's not your favorite. It's it's not. It, it is my favorite. It is not. That's not you like Prince. You like Purple Rain better than I that. don't like Purple Rain better than I like Claudine. Yes, you do. I don't. You do. I know you do. I don't. Yeah, you like Juice's soundtrack better than that. I certainly don't like Juice's soundtrack better than Claudine. Please, please, stop lying. So um, we also got <laughs> just moving on. We also <laughs> heard from um, at present Eric. Okay. On Twitter, talking about the recently released Black Panther teaser trailer. Talk about peak blackness. Now, listen to this. In a series of tweets, he says, each time I watch the Black Panther teaser, like a dozen times at this point, just a couple of days ago. Because we're all studying it. 
I'm struck by how it fits into Ryan Coogler's filmography, like Fruitvale Station to Creed to Black Panther tells a very specific, intentional story of blackness. I'm sure someone much smarter and better equipped than me will perform this analysis, at which point I will uh, retweet it in infinity times. Yes. Uh, to which at Planet X, Jared Exelrod said, this sounds like a job for Mission Michelle. Hey, man. You know what? So, <laughs> Vince. Just the trailer. Just the trailer. You know what? I don't even know where to start. Well, I do know where to start with the trailer. First of all, not for nothing, the fact that every cast member in the Black Panther is brown to dark brown. Mm, yeah. Might be the most radical thing that's ever been on black film. Okay. The Dora Maje is the most radical depiction of black womanhood that has ever existed. Just in the trailer. You Just say that because. These six dark brown, ball headed black women. Right. Badasses. Right. Beautiful. Right. Powerful. Right there. The Afrofuturism of it. And, you know, and, and, and credit where credit is due. Like, this is something that Jack Kirby did 50 years ago. Like, you look at the very first appearance of the Black Panther, and you have that melding of this sort of stereotypical depiction of, of Africa and the Western consciousness, mm-hmm. which, you know, spears and, and shields and stuff. But then he kind of melded it with that Jack Kirby, that Kirby crackle. Yeah, Kirby where, crackle. You know, it's the technology and all of that. Technology bursting out of trees. And that's amazingly radical. Yeah. Yeah. I love the added part of the mythos, which made complete sense. And and I was shocked that no one has ever thought of it before, that Wakanda is actually a hidden city. Right. That, you know, everything, I mean, everything about, I mean, this goes back to Christopher Priest run Mm -hmm. that the Black Panther is is always kind of holding his cards. I love that. Um, I'm already in love with Shuri. Yeah. I'm already in love because you know that's her holding the two the, the two panther fists. Yes. How awesome is she? How <laughs> awesome is Shuri? It's a freaking fantastic TV it, it is a, it is a fantastic and the fantastic thing about it is that as much as we fell in love with the Black Panther mm-hmm. from Civil War mm-hmm. and how cool and and awesome and super black he was. Mhm. It makes perfect sense that this is the world that he's from. It does. And it's another thing that you, you point that out, <clears throat> that it kind of parallels with the whole emerging of Wonder Woman on the in the DC extended universe. Wonder Woman shows up in BVS, Batman versus Superman. Right. And it's easily like it's like the coolest moment of one of the one of the yeah. coolest moments of that movie, um, and then instantly becomes like the one of the best parts, most memorable parts of that movie without doing much about you know looking good in a dress and then kicking butt right. when she fights Doomsday, you know, um, so much so that you want more. Yes, and then the movie comes out and they smartly. Instead of trying to uh, amp up what was there before, they take the time to to dial it back and uh, invite you into her world. 
yeah putting her in a whole nother setting away from that so that it, this is really truly a whole nother aspect and maybe a, a, a more truer aspect of who the character is yes, yes you saw the character uh, up front and central when she's got to be on blast but now let's really meet the character let's right. really get become ingrained and invested in the yes. character and the world she comes in the in the entire world building of that yeah. film and they took the time with that and it and uh, thus you've got this mega hit that's right yeah. there the same thing can be said for black panther in that he he hits like a bolt of lightning in um, Captain America, yeah, and now you can tell from this trailer that Ryan Coogler, you know, okay, you know who he is. Now let me show you what he is, where he comes from, invite you all into that world. And just like my man um, at present, Eric says, with Ryan is doing it without any reservations. Yeah, the, well. I think I think already the the best decision that everybody in the room made was to let Ryan Coogler have his team. Yeah, because you know the costume designer, the like like that. Apparently, that was part of the negotiation. Mm-hmm. If I do this, this is my team. Yeah, and it it it. I mean, it doesn't look like anything. Yeah, like it's this is you know. It looks like along with Captain America, the Captain America films. Up to this point, the Captain America films have been the only ones to succeed in having distinct look and feel that is set apart from all of the other Marvel films. Yes, absolutely. Um, Some of them may have some some trappings, like the Doctor Doctor Strange has some trappings, and and Thor tried to, but just ultimately didn't, didn't succeed. Right. And Black Panther does look like it's a film that is that too is going to have its own, you know, feel. Yeah. Its own look, its own vibe, its own way of how he wants to present the action as well Man. as the story. And it I mean, I I don't need to see another trailer. Man. I know this is the teaser. I know. I don't need whenever cuz you know the the longer Three minute trailer is going to come. I don't I mean, need it. I don't know how much I can do. Like, like you talking about? Like, I think I've literally seen it twenty times. Yeah, I don't. I don't need anything. I, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to see. No- and, and like I hear Andy Circus say, "What do you know about Wakanda?" Yeah, and I just, I just, that was it. I just get excited. That was it. And also, speaking of Andy Circus, I know the man is the mocap king yeah you know and killing it and i can't yeah. wait to see him in war of the planet of the apes yeah because that looks at you know we'll see you know him him in motion caption um vibe he's a brother needs to be in front of the camera he's, a little bit more how about that he needs to be in front of the camera a little more how about that you know, definitely has a very a very distinct look yeah. about yeah. his face but knows how to deliver a line uh yeah he needs to be in and i mean <sighs> Look, man, you got Chadwick Boseman. Look, man, the bench is so deep. Oh, my God, it's so deep. The bench is so deep. Funnily enough, I saw it. Because I'll say this, too. I'm also excited by how excited the youngs are. Yeah. Like, they're so excited, and I'm so happy for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they had a little memes and stuff, which you're going to wear. But I saw someone posted the two side-by-side shots of our dude. And he said he woke up from from the sunken place and went right to Wakanda. 
Daniel, I forget his last Daniel name. Daniel Kalua. Yeah, Kalua. He woke up from the second place, went right to Wakanda. Yep. Which is what you're supposed to do. Exactly. Exactly. Stay woke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we do have a little bit of business before we get to the show, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. and that is next week. Next week, next Wednesday. Which you've got your little calendar there, Vince. Next yes. Wednesday, that I believe that is June the twentieth. Is it the twentieth? No, no, the twenty first. Because we're taping 21st. on Tuesday. Yes. Sorry. So it's uh, June twenty June twentieth. The the Michelle Mission will be doing our very first live radio broadcast. So there won't be a a podcast available Wednesday morning because we're going to be doing the show live. That's right. We're going to do the show live in the studios of WPPM, People Powered Media, 106.5 FM, um, on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. in our regular radio time slot. We will be streaming live on phillycam.org so that all of our listeners can... uh, uh, and our Michelle missionaries can listen to the show. Um, and hopefully we're asking you because we're doing this as part of WPPM's fund drive. It's a people powered media, but it's a grassroots organization. And every once in a while that grass needs some watering. And that's where you come in as we're going to be asking some of our fans uh, to donate to the station to help us keep the lights on, keep the, the microphones going to keep that stream going and keep bringing um, fantastic shows like the Michelle mission and the show that follows us do why Diddy coming to you um, free with no commercials. Now, to kind of pump pump the you know the the blood of people. Oh yeah, get them get them going. We ha- had hoped to have a very special guest um, that we were going to be speaking with live on that show, and it may still happen. I got rerun sitting on the bench though. I know rerun rerun. It- Rerun was plan B. He's now plan C. But plan A. He's over there popping and locking. <laughs> yeah, popping and locking. Uh, and I, I said his name was Fred Stubbs. He was Fred Berry. Fred Berry. Fred Stubbs was his name on the ship. Right. We had hoped to have the Mystics, Dorian and Simone Mystic, as our very special guests on that night. Um, they weren't going to be live in studio, but they were going to be live on the phone, taking all of your questions uh, so that, you know, it would be our, a, a, a night with the Mystics, a Michelle night with the Mystics. We really hope to have that happen. It may still happen, but as it stands right now, it looks like Dorian and Simone's schedule is going to be just a little tight, um, and they don't, they don't want to promise that they can do it. Um, and, and then we just be, you know, left out in the cold. And I appreciate that. Class act. Yes, definitely. So, huh, me and Vince have brainstormed. <laughs> and we've come up with a plan B. Now, I don't know how Vince has somehow magically skirted his way out of, you know, doing something here but dancing in between the raindrops yeah all right all right gene so (laughs) here's what we're going to be doing next week ladies and gentlemen on our live episode of the michelle mission while we are there talking about movies ostensibly i don't think i don't think we we probably 
not going to be able to do like a full review, but okay. we'll, we'll talk about movies. We're right. having a fun conversation. For every dollar that is donated during our hour show from next Wednesday to from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., for, for every dollar that is donated, I have vowed <laughs> I can't even get this out of my mouth I have vowed that I will watch <laughs> The Last Dragon for that many days straight donate three dollars he gonna watch Last Dragon three days in a row exactly donate three hundred dollars I will watch The Last Dragon for three hundred days in straight. a row straight you possess the power of the glow. Now, I'm only going to watch it once a day. Just once a day. Just, Just once, once a day. day. Um, but I will watch The Last Dragon. I'm going to donate $3 myself. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. Up to a year. Up to a year. Every day. Up to a year. All right? So, um... <laughs> oh, Come on, folks. Let's... Let's make this happen. Oh, Lord. Let's come together as a community. Now, I will say this. So that Lynn can watch The Last Dragon. Just so that we can get as much, you know, as much money donated for WPPM as possible. Yes. Okay? Because technically, if I'm going to watch it every day for a year. Yes. If somebody calls in and donates $300. Right. That's one donation right there. Right. That's got me for 300 days. There you go. You know what I mean? So then it's almost a year. So what's the incentive for everybody else to like keep on chugging on? Right, 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 right. Get up to $356. Right. Right. $65. Don't be trying to. Oh. Don't be trying to skip out of nine days (laughs) with your dyslexic moment. Oh, no. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. You ain't slick. <laughs> Just gonna slip that in there. For 356 days. Uh, no. So. Mm, so. Because of that. <clears throat> I'm going to amend this. Okay. Okay. For every dollar that is donated. Yes. Okay. I will watch The Last Dragon once a day. Yes. For a year. Yes. And then above $365. And then above $365. Oh, God. <laughs> I will watch Baby Boy. Oh, my God. I might. I need to skip a bill so I can get us above 365 I will watch Baby Boy. For every di- every dollar over three sixty five, so every dollar over three sixty five, I will watch Baby Boy once a day. Hey Lynn, yes, you want some breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the thing. I have to. I have to decide. Which I could stand worse, you know. Right, because you, di- you didn't do Why Did I Get Married? Oh. Or Temptation. Ooh. Okay. Or Action Jackson. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, then how about this? Okay. Why am 
I doing this to myself? I, hey, because it's 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 it's, it's, it's for a good cause. It's for a good cause. For every dollar over three hundred sixty-five dollars, yes, I will watch a Tyler Perry movie. Yes, once a day. <clears throat> oh, for every dollar over three sixty-five. All right. And if once we if we get past like his whole filmography, then I'll just have to start it back over. I'll even sweeten the pot. How are you going to sweeten the pot? If somebody donates twenty dollars or more. We'll let them pick a Tyler Perry movie that we have because I mean, we've only done two. Oh wow! I think yeah. he's made like three hundred. I'm pretty sure he made one this morning. You and I will do a an episode of the Michelle Mission devoted to that Tyler Perry film of someone's choosing. Okay, so for every twenty, so for anyone donating twenty dollars <clears throat> or more, twenty dollars and one cent, we'll do Medea makes a pot of chitlins. <laughs> And says something vague about Jesus. And they strip Shamar Moore down and rub him down with olive oil. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm pretty sure that's the plot of one or two of them. Like, mm. she makes a pot of chitlins. She says something vague about Jesus. And then Shamar Moore comes in and they take his shirt off and pour olive oil all over him. Mm, stomach acid and chewing gum does not mix. Then somebody gets married and there's lawn dancing. Okay. All right. All right. So th- th- so that's going to be happening next week, ladies and gentlemen, live Wednesday, 8 p.m. on phillycam.org for all of you out there in the, uh, in the internationally. Locally here in Philadelphia, you can listen to us on 106.5 FM, WPPM, LP, People Powered Media. Philly Cam Radio on your radio dials, or you can just stream us as well. PhillyCam.org Radio. The the show mission will be live doing a show. And oh God. Yes. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. All right, it's time. Yes. For us to review. Yes. Moonlight. All right. What's you looking at me like that for? What, man? Come on, you just drove down here? Yeah. Who is you, Sharon? Hold on, son. Try not to remember. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you're gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. You all tell him why the other boys kick his ass all the time. What's wrong? I'm good. No, I'm seeing good, and you ain't it. Remember the last time I saw you? Listen. To who, Ma? Huh? To you? Who is you, man? I ain't seen you in like a decade. It's not what I expected. 
respect. Moonlight, 2016 American coming-of-age drama written and directed by Barry Jenkins based on Tarot Alvin McCraney's unpublished semi-autobiographical play In Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. It stars Trevant Rhodes, Andre Holland, Janelle Monet, Ashton Sanders, Gerald Jerome, Naomi Harris, and the Oscar-winning Mahershala Ali. The film represents three stages in the life of the main character, exploring the difficulties he faces with his own sexuality and identity, including the physical and emotional abuse he receives as a result of it. It was filmed in Miami, Florida. Uh, Moonlight premiered at the Telluride Film Festival in September of 2016. It was released in the United States on October 21st and has grossed over 65 million worldwide against a $1.5 million budget, mm. receiving critical acclaim. And at the 74th Golden Globe Awards, it won the Best Motion Picture drama was nominated in five other categories and went on to win the academy award for best picture along with best supporting actor for marshala ali and best adapted screenplay yes. for jenkins and mccraney for a total uh, from a total of eight nominations it was also became the first film with an all black cast the first lgbt film and the second lowest grossing film domestically behind the hurt locker to win the best picture award this longly awaited movie also i should uh, mention and this is a notable the film's editor joy mcmillan became the first black woman to be nominated for an editing oscar that's right alongside co-editor nat sanders and mahershala ali became the first Muslim yeah. to win an acting Oscar in this film, which was the selection of Vince. Yes. So what say you, Vince, of Moonlight? Well, you know, as as I've said, you, you know, I, I think I said it a couple of times over the past weeks, I think we deserve this. Like, mm-hmm. we deserve to talk about Moonlight. If, if you've been listening to us since the beginning, yeah. you know, I know Medicine for Melancholy Barry Jenkins' first film was um, <clears throat> a film that we talked about very early. You know, I think within the first 20 episodes, yep. we talked about Medicine for a Melancholy. And- Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco? That's with your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. And, And both of us were big, big, are big, big fans of that film. And we said at the time that we were very much looking forward 
to his next film. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was six years between Medicine for Melancholy and Moonlight. And, you know, I think, I think a, a film like Moonlight, you, you know, you can talk about a couple of ways, you know, really two ways. And, 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 you know, first and foremost, just the sheer craft that's involved in this film, like from top to bottom, from left to right. I, I think the story, you know, we call it a coming of age story. And it certainly that's that's in here. But it's also this really kind of lovely embedded love story mm-hmm. that's in here between these two men. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have you, you have the, the family dynamic b- between the main character, Sharon, and and, you know, his mother played by the magnificent Naomi Harris. Yeah. And, and you know, his surrogate family, you know, played, you, you know, again, by the aforementioned Mahershala Ali and Janelle Monet. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and you have just, again, just this wonderful story, just as a story on the level of plot and the level of story, mm. you, you have the acting that, that, you know, we've just talked about, uh, Mahershala. Mahershala Ali absolutely should have won an Academy Award for this film. But in my mind, the real kind of unsung hero is Naomi Harris, okay. who plays um, Chiron's mother at yes. three very distinct times in her life. And, you know, this is a film that, you know, as you mentioned, is in three parts. She's the only actor that appears in all three parts. Yes. And so, you know, just on that level, I think child actors are hit and miss just generally and you have four very young actors in this film that do a wonderful job you you have Sharon at age you know maybe eight or nine yeah i think nine they say you know you have kevin at nine and then you have those two characters at age 16 yes so you have these four young actors really kind of kind of doing you know just fantastic work Barry Jenkins' direction, everything that we loved about his direction in Medicine for Melancholy, you can see that those skills have just been honed and deepened. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is this is a director, and and it's funny. Omar Dorsey actually said this about him. Like, this is a director who breathes, yeah, and he lets the moment play out, and 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 you know, and just his shot composition. And, you know, we talked about um, Joy, and I just forgot her last name. Joy McMillan. Joy McMillan. Just the editing, Mm -hmm. you know, just the transitions in this. The colors, Mm -hmm. you know, the use of blue, the use of red, that, that, you know, it's it's a film that rewards you with repeated viewings about how deep and 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 how just, I mean, there are scenes in this film, like like sort of the, the most iconic, moment from the film is when Mashur Ali's character Juan teaches Chiron how to swim. Right. And just the just the blues, the blue of the sky and the blue of the ocean and these two people in 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 the water is is breathtaking. Mm-hmm. And all of that frankly I think is enough to celebrate this film and and say that this film is is a triumph and a masterpiece and in a perfect world where we had a bunch of movies that showed black life and all of its nuance and, and c- complexity and everything. We could just talk about that. Right. But we don't live in that world. Right. And in this world, I think this is an amazingly important movie and what it says about black men 
yeah in our relationships with each other and 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 how we're not and how being vulnerable is a luxury i think being vulnerable for a man in general in our society is a luxury but i think as you kind of add those concentric circles mm-hmm. of dis- disenfranchisement you know poverty race mm-hmm. so on and so forth you're not allowed to be vulnerable yeah you're not allowed to touch you're not allowed to love and and there's so much in this film that comments on that and in really beautiful ways to the point where you know i know it's unfair but but the thing i always think about this movie is it's sort of like when um Frank Ocean's full debut came out, you know, Channel Orange, um, you know, not his first album, his full debut. And I remember he he came out right as 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 a gay man, like right when it first came out. And I remember being a little disappointed because I knew that there were people that should listen to to Channel Orange Mm -hmm. who now would be completely shut off from it. Exactly. And I think the same thing and I know the same thing has happened with Moonlight, where I think this is a film that everyone should see but i think it is particularly i think it's particularly important that black men see this film and talk about it but because these characters are gay and because of just the way many of us are socialized and i know i've had two dozen conversations about moonlight in barber shops at barbecues with my friends about no you need to see moonlight and so many of us as black men shut down when issues That's of what home- you find yeah, that's absolutely what I found, mm-hmm. and 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 so so there's that aspect of it too. So, you know, I'll stop there because yeah. you know it it it's um you know yeah these the, the the story you touched on it right there right from right there is that it is a love story. It's the it's the love story of these two two guys exploring their sexuality exploring. Really not, but it's not even exploring their sexuality. They're exploring their manhood mm-hmm. because they are men. Mm-hmm. They, they're gay men, but they're men. And I think that you know, unfortunately, you know, like you just said, there there are people out there who want to differentiate between the two. Oh, he's not a man, right? And he's a gay man, you right? Know? Like, no, these these guys are definitively men. Um. They're young, confused boys um, in the beginning trying to, you know, just develop a friendship, uh, 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 a a dialogue with one another, a vocabulary with one another, whether it be through roughhousing or even in that roughhousing or or in their conversation, um, trying to explore, you know, exactly who they are in this world that we're in, in this basically this this world that we are we are a part of right now which at that young age in the beginning where Chiron is little his right, nickname right. It, it, his world is just basically the schoolyard um and who is he in that schoolyard you know and his friend is wants to help help him find out who he is you know secretly because that's going to help him find out who he is right you know, uh, and that becomes all the more evident when they are then 16 years old um, and the friend is there for him as well. And uh, another smart thing I do like about this movie is that the two boys are clearly 
best friends. Right. But the movie isn't about best friends. So you don't see them together all the time. You see them like in the reality of best friends that they're kind of living their own lives and come together at, you know, particular moments in time. Right. You know, Um, and like all true best friends, they come together when you the other least expects it. But it's when they're needed. Right. It's when um, in the beginning, when little is walking off from from all the from all the boys, you know, uh, his best friend is Kevin. Kevin. Yes. Comes running up to him. He's like, yo, dude, you know, you. Can't be doing that. He's right there to kind of like, like, trying what's on your head. Like, here, I'm here. Bust it up with me. When they're 16 years old, and 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 now Chiron is hiding out in the school. Who shows up? Kevin. Right. I just happen to be on detention. Like, yo, man, what's go- what's going on? You look you look shook, bruh. You know. And there's not really much he can say about what's going on because ultimately, you know, you're gonna have to go outside. But it's like, man, you know, you. I do what you gotta do because I'm doing what I gotta do. You gotta do. Uh, and then later on, Chiron is is by the beach. Who shows up? Kevin. Wait, I mean, Kevin is like, what's what's Kevin? Jiminy Cricket? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but that's what best friends do. Um, when you talk about Barry Jenkins and, and Omar, it talks about Barry Jenkins just allowing things to breathe. There's a scene where Little is driving off with Juan and he's got his hand outside the window and he's just riding the wave. Yeah. And the, the film, the, the, the movie shoots that scene from like behind the car, just above watching his, his hand, his arm ride that wave. Every little kid has done that. Yeah. And I would, I would bet that every little kid, when they are doing that, envisions envisions that scene looking the way that they shot it. Yeah, you envision your hand just full because when when I saw that scene, and especially because he takes the time that that scene is not, it's not long; it's maybe ten seconds of yeah. screen time, but that's probably a good. Four more seconds than the average filmmaker would give that scene. Right. It's just a celebration of being a kid, of being free. Yeah. Of, and also, I think at that moment in time, especially for Little, feeling a little safe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he feel he's, he he feels safe to do that. Yeah. Um. And I thought I thought that was. It, like that was just a moment like that breathed for me. But how good is that? How good that's Alex Hibbert who yes. plays nine year old little. He how is good. Is he? He he is so good that while Jenna Monet is doing work, yes, in this movie, and admittedly she's not doing a whole lot of work in the, in, in that opening scene because it, in, in the opening part because that is all about Alex. And Mahershala, mm-hmm. but you don't even really notice Janelle because of how good Alex is, and he's so good because you got to remember in that opening scene that little boy is going up against Mahershala Ali. Yes, 
and Naomi Harris. Yes. And, and not talking. And not talking. And all eyes are locked on him. And he is carrying it. Yeah. I mean, because it, the the movie in, in that opening scene, it only loosely, and even then, not even really until the end of that opening, like, like uh, third, it, does it really touch on the whole sexuality part. Right. Um, but the way that they mention it, you know, Naomi, like, sc- screaming, you know, about her child. Yeah. You know, you know, are you going to raise my boy? Oh, my are God. Are you going to raise my boy? You know what my boy is. That scene is devastating. And and, and it's only when that, when that happens that you replay what has happened before right. and you maybe see some ticks. Right. Other than that, you're really just seeing a little boy. You're just seeing little boys. You're just seeing a little boy, and man. Little, little vicious boys. Exactly. that's how boys can be. Exactly. Yeah. And, you, know, it's just, it's just, you just pick the weak one. And we've we've all done it. We've all been party to it. Right. We've all been, you know, the, the procrastinators. I mean, the uh, protagonists. Right. Of the and instigators of that type of type of stuff. Or you know, just followed along in the crowd, praying Jesus that they thank don't. Thank God, it's not me. Thank God, it's not me. That's what you're thinking the whole time. Yeah. So um, it's it, you can't say enough about uh, uh, about him. I think he's the unsung hero of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, you know, him as well as the young boy that plays Chiron in the second part. Oh, Ashton Sanders. Yes. Yeah. Because. Oh, yeah. Because while he has maybe about ten more lines, <laughs> right? He's, not, he's still not really saying right, all right, right. Um, he definitely has an intensity. Yes. That he has to carry in the in that in that middle section. That is just. <sighs> In, in incredible and where and where's that weight and and it's all on his face it's all on his face it's, but it's in his body too yeah if you watch yeah. it it's in his body it's in his walk as he's walking down the streets and those two knuckleheads come yeah. b- bothering him man it's 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 all in his physicality the the moment where Chiron becomes black mm-hmm. when he puts his face in the ice to dead and every and and he he changes yeah right in the and it's like you said, you really, I mean, it, it really is a master, it's a, it's a master class of acting. It is. With some of these actors. But it's a master class in, the, in storytelling. Yeah. Because there's so much that is said in this movie when there are no words. Yeah. When it's just the pictures. Yeah. Just the visual storytelling that is going on. Like the scene, you don't learn to what she says till later, mm-hmm. but with a scene where Naomi you know, screams yeah. at her son, but you don't hear it. Yeah. But you hear it. Right. And not even and even more so than the scream, what you truly hear and feel, and is even probably even more painful, is then the look yeah. on her face when she slow motion walks into her room. And not for nothing, because you know, we've talked about this with uptight. We've mentioned it here. The use of color, like in the yeah. very first shot, they established that blue is peace. Yes, and red is 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 the adversary. That moment you're talking about, she's in purple light. Yep, because that's the moment where she go where the shift mm-hmm. goes from she's his mother 
to a drug addict. Right. And it it is. It is. It's all in it's all in that moment. Like you said, you don't even have to hear what she's saying. Right. To know what's happening. Yeah. The other thing that I'm I keep replaying in my head is when we had um Leanne Lindsay of Tinsel and Time yes. here on the show a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um and I, I don't think we this made it to on air. But we mentioned that we were going to be reviewing uh, Moonlight. Yes. And she had mentioned how she didn't think much of the movie. Right, right. And that, it, you know, it left her cold. She thought it, it, it wasn't nothing happening. She found it a little boring, you okay. know, a little bit slow and everything like that. It is a, a leisurely paced movie. It's a movie. slow movie. It's, it's a, a slow, slow movie. movie. Yet to say that there's nothing happening in this right. movie is is – is one hundred percent like just wrong, flat out wrong. I yeah. don't, I don't understand. W- what it is though is that this movie, even unlike the great black dramas of our time, you know, refuses to play, you know, to get to take the audience for granted and give you any tropes or ticks. Or um, anything that you might heighten drama, right? There's yeah. nothing heightened about it at all, yeah. and uh, and that's you know, I mean, if you watch Medicine for Melancholy, then you should have right. expected that. But that is um, that's the magic of this movie. You you know something that messed with my head, and still kind of messes with my head, and this is the moment. Where 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 I'll I'll say you know once again we've done this a few times and it's happening more and more lately. If you haven't seen Moonlight, I think you should see Moonlight before we talk anymore. I think when I saw it for the first time, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop with Mershala 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 Ali's character Juan. Okay, and Little. Like I didn't know if he was going to molest him. I didn't know if he was going to oh, try really? and turn him into a little runner for him because because Juan's a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. So is he going to yeah. turn him into a drug dealer? And I'm waiting for that to happen. Like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. And it made me think: What is it about an older man who sees a young boy in need and steps in that I immediately go to? He has some type. Ulterior motive. Some some ulterior motive. And I think it's, again, the way we are socialized. Exactly. Like the way we are, you know, if, if, if Janelle Monet's character had run into him and sort of taken her under her wing and, you know, done all these different things, you wouldn't have thought anything about it. Because right. we think that's what women do. Right. But a man doing this, like, you, you know, again, it must be something else going on. And when there is nothing going on, it did make me question myself mm. like where's my head at yeah that, that you would go there that i would go there and, and again you know is it because right. he's a man is it because he's poor is it because he's a drug dealer like what is it about this man that gave you no and it's interesting that you think that because now i'm thinking back about holiday heart because in right. holiday heart um the michelle mission the only podcast where we'll talk about Moonlight and Holiday Heart at yeah, the same time. We give you the real, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, in, in Holiday Heart, and now I'm drawing a blank on the actor's name uh, that plays the, the like plays the, the 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 drug dealer. Hey man, I'm about to break my tongue over here trying to get Mersha 
Mahershala. Mahershala Ali's name right. <laughs> now you're going to get Mikalatai uh, uh, Mil- Williamson in here too. Right. But in his, his character and how about Quavajene Wallace as well. Let's just let me just mess up Peter Nwanga. Yeah, let's let, let me just mess up all Dene Guerrero. Right, right. Let's, let's go for it. You know, but we're not going to go. Uh, we're not going to do Chiwa. See, I'm not even go there. So See? anyway, <laughs> anyway, Macalatai Williamson in Holiday Heart. Chiwa tell etu for. Very good. I had to get something right. <laughs> go, go ahead. And Leanne taught me how to say it. Leanne actually taught me how to say it. So now I got, like, that's my one. I got my one. Yeah, go ahead. Will we do another movie with him? Right, good. Right, right. You got the rest. Right, we're going to do Serenity just <laughs> so yes. I can talk about him. Yeah. You know when Chill would tell him two 4 stabbed that dude? That was real black. Oh, Doctor Strange is a black film. Anyway, <laughs> no, but when McAllister Williamson, mm-hmm. his character in Holiday Heart, is definitively like a thug. Yeah, and you see him do thuggish things, hardcore yeah. thuggish things. Yeah. in that movie, um, to other people as well as a little bit to uh, the, the the little girl's mother. Yeah, yeah. Yet. When he turns the tide and be- and becomes basically a surrogate father to her, right? You kind of buy into it, maybe because of the heightened drama right. of that movie, which you're so used to. You know, put that against Moonlight. You know, my man is a drug dealer. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. You see him. You know, he goes. He checks his corners. You know, yeah. you know, see what's going on. You know, I mean, the very in. first scene where he's sort of, you know, looking at the landscape. Oh yeah, oh man, this is, a, this is such a good scene. Yeah, man. it's the whole, the whole three sixty view. And and Juan is this, this, this is his kingdom. This is oh man, it's such a good scene. Um, but but then he is also the guy that not only you know um, befriends little yeah. And brings him home, but you see his home life is a stable home life. Yeah, you know oh, yeah. he's got his woman. They've got a nice house. Yeah, they're they're living. It's not like you know it's not some ghetto fabulous house. No. It's you know a nice house in the yeah. neighborhood. He's it, it, seemingly you know a respectful. Husband slash boyfriend, whatever their relationship. He and Teresa is. have a great relationship. They have a great relationship. He takes cues from her, and, exactly. You know, you know. So he defers to her about so things. It's, it's telling that you see that, and yet you're still waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. Yet you buy in on Holiday Heart. Right. Well, that's me. Well, I mean, you know, first of all, Holiday Heart is ridiculous. Yes. So you know, I'm waiting for anything in Holiday Heart, but I do think that. The film does a great job of establishing that Juan is a menacing figure in his world, like in his world, in, in his, his world. world. Yeah, and and you know, and and that this is not this this is not a Tupac character. Mm-hmm. Like this is not the thug with the sort of poet's heart. Yes, like this is a man who has. And, and, you know, we don't really learn all of his his story, but I think there's enough for us to infer that he has, um, <clears throat> excuse me, adapted to this world right. and conquered this world. And then when you get this sort of parallel with black in the final section, yes. where black has done the same thing, it's just that we've watched black's journey. 
Yes. So that when Kevin says that's not who you are, we know that's true, but that's because we're not just meeting him. Yeah. And you wonder if this is what happened with Juan as well, but we don't know that until the end. Right. All we know is what we've been taught by movies and culture and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, the news yeah. and anecdotal, you, you know, right. relatives, <laughs> you know. But Juan has yeah. fe- certainly felt throughout the film. Yeah. I mean, he, oh, he's yeah. only in that first part. Yeah. But then you still feel him. You feel him in the middle part, the Chiron part. Yeah. Because you feel the absence. You feel the it. absence. You yeah. Feel the, and, and you feel like it, it, you feel what that void has wrought. Because at the end of Little, you know, when it looks like Little has found a safe haven, you're figuring that Little may be able to take a turn. Right. But apparently it's not long after the end of that that Juan loses his life. Right. And I, I, the other thing that I got from that, and again, just you know, looking at, at the, the, the color and everything, I think that last scene in the little segment where Juan, like it's that wonderful sequence where Juan is, ba- like Juan basically is, 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 is almost accepting him as an apprentice. And you have all of these things where Juan tells him, you know, don't sit with your back to the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he asks him, you know, what is a faggot? And 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 Juan tells him, right? And you know, it's, you know, it's something that we say to gay people to make them feel bad about themselves, which you know is an amazingly sort of thoughtful response. But again, why am I so amazed at how thoughtful that response is? Yeah. And then he says, "Am I gay?" And he answers him truthfully. And then you know, you get all the way to the last part where he says do you deal drugs and does my mother take drugs so that you know and and, and the look of shame on Juan's face exactly. like i saw a little distance between where where now little can't completely drop his guard right cuz like true. i'm like i'm still in this world yeah. and like this person who's like my savior is still part of this Right, so right, that's true because yeah, that, that was my little leave, leaves the house. Yeah, and then that's the end of the yeah. little segment. Yeah, that 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 is very true. That is very true. And and then from there you see you go into the Chiron part where the absence of Juan because little has kind of like retreated into himself. Yeah, you know, and Juan has um, Juan has died. And Juan has died, and then in the end, in the black sequence where Chiron has basically become Juan. I know, complete with his love of older cars. Yeah, I mean his whole style, his whole, his whole style. cadence, his whole. But isn't that what little boys do, though? Yeah, like isn't that? I, I mean, yeah. you know, I think the other thing that I noticed this time, there are no men in 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 Little's life except for Juan. Like you have that male teacher. And during the uh, Sharon segment, that is it's sort really of, just a voice. It's you like the even... Charlie Brown voice. Yeah, you know, wah, wah, exactly. wah. There's a crossing guard who stops him from getting stomped out. But Juan is the only real male, you know, presence in his life, except for Kevin. I'm sorry, older male presence, right? Like like an elder, right? That can sort of teach you yeah. how to be a man. Yeah. So it's um. It really is just a it really is a captivating movie. And and let's just go ahead and get this down cuz I think we've kind of kind of glossed over it because he won an Oscar. So we're assuming everybody knows but Mahershala Mur- Ali Mahershala Ali is magnificent. 
He is. He's amazing in this. He is. He is amazing in this movie. A well deserved. Yeah. Oscar. Yeah. Janelle Monae not given a lot to do, but handles it extremely well. Handles it extremely she is, well. She is on point. She is. Uh, she is a bona fide actress of yeah. note. Yeah. And you know, then you know, as I said, I think. I think Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris is is, is a beast. Naomi Harris is probably our, <sighs> you know, and I say our, you know, black, you know, Hollywood. She may be. I don't know. I don't want to say she's our Meryl Streep because I think that I, I, I think there there are others that probably you know Angela Bassett or right, 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 probably there. But she may be one of our singularly most talented actress. Yeah. And completely I, I completely paid no attention to her before no. this. Really? I don't even know what she was what else has she been in Name? that I that I would have noticed and said, oh Naomi oh, Harris. Oh my God. Are, are you like I know she's been in stuff. Right. But this is what made me say, whoa. Wow. That's uh I would <laughs> Okay. I mean let me then let me take a moment to mark time so I can edit out part of this uh, and bring up Naomi Harris so I can tell you about everything that Naomi Harris has done. I don't, I don't believe you, Vince. Uh, I mean, it looks like a, it's a lot of sort of genre thing. She was in a James Bond movie. She was in Pirates of the Caribbean. She was in Mandela Long Walk to Freedom. You know, I didn't see that. She was in Collateral Beauty. Yeah, you know. Okay, and she's twenty eight days later. After the sunset was a, a was a good movie. Okay, that was a very. I actually don't think I saw that. That was a very good movie. She was also in Skyfall because she plays. She's the new Miss Money Penny. Yeah, yeah, but like I said, it, you know, nobody is. You know, I don't expect the, the the actor studio to talk about the great Money Penny performance. Well, that's when they the, talk to her. Well, well, they should. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say that. Yeah, that's their loss. Yes, hell with them. So, um, yeah, she's she's just just incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh in yeah. This, absolutely. In this movie and in a role that at any of the moments in her life that she has to reveal could have gone off the rails very easily. Very easily. Like very easily yeah. like you know we've get, had we've had the running joke about um cinematic drug addicts mm. and and you know and, and we see her at the height of her mania and there's still do you know what i loved about her moment as a just just fully in 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 within the, the claws of drug addiction she's still manipulative you know, it's and it's like if, if you've ever known anyone who's been addicted to drugs, like it's not like it, there's this there's this control underneath it mm -hmm. where they're trying to manipulate every moment. And she captured that. I don't know the last time I've seen someone capture that on film. Is there that one scene well. that stands, stands out? To well, there's a scene where Sharon comes back from Teresa's house. That's the one I was thinking of. And she's asking him for money and, and she's, you, you well, know. first she has to get into the house. First she has to get into the house. And she totally. Yeah, and she's jealous of Teresa. She's resentful of Teresa. 
She understands Teresa's usefulness. Mm-hmm. You know, she manipulates Chiron. You know, Chiron, you, you know, I also say this is the moment where Chiron starts wearing his backpack in yeah. front of him because he's starting to build his armor. Right. That, you know, by the time you get to him is black. Yeah. And, we, you know, with the muscles and the grill and the, the car. And the, his armor is complete. His armor is complete. Right. She's amazing in that scene. Yeah, she is, man. And then, you know, when she's in rehab at the end and this sort of complicated relationship that you can imagine a young man has with his mother who was a drug addict mm-hmm. throughout his childhood. And mm-hmm. now she's better or getting better. Right. Oh, just so good. That being said, the central relationship that we follow throughout most of this movie is the relationship between Chiron and Kevin. Yes. It starts as the little boys. And then climaxes in the last oh, which is one of it. It may be one of the the truest scenes of black masculinity. That has ever been put to film and and black vulnerability. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that's what I mean just, because it's the, it's the full spectrum uh, of masculinity. It, it 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 understands and appreciates the vulnerability of being a black of being a black man, and they both of them throughout that entire last scene are dealing with that, trying to yeah, navigate yeah. their way through it. Um, and until they come to that point, reach that point where they are, you know, metaphorically, there is nothing left. The armor has been taken off and they are standing there just, like I say, metaphorically naked in front of each other and just letting it out because the scene where Chiron says that I have not been touched by anyone yeah since you yeah was so powerful yeah so heartbreaking yeah it was it was so heartbreaking yet so real yeah it was it was really I, I I'm not even going to front I like teared up a little bit on yeah. that man Dude, again, I think you and I are very blessed men. We have people that love us. We um, we are in an environment where we can hug each other, and 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 you know we have children around. Like, but I think there are so many men, and we talk about you know we t- use these terms like toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. No one tells them that they love them. You're not allowed to show affection. And you see it in this film, you you know, again, like you're saying metaphorically naked. And to me, you know, again, back to the conversations I've had, because I've had absurd conversations with people where it's like, no, 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 it's not like Brokeback Mountain. Like, it's not actual acts. And, you know, I've had to go into detail about what actually transpires. It's like, you know, it's a kiss and, you know, and then it's an implied masturbation scene. But it's nothing because it's not about the sex. Right. It's about the intimacy. And the lack of intimacy that these men have in their lives. So that, like you said, that by the end, he has he has stripped all of this armor. And and it's it, it is it's it's this beautiful ending that's yeah. well earned. Right. So 
Yeah, I'm like you. I, I was. It it kind of took my breath away, and then you know you cut to the last shot mm. of of nine year old Chiron looking at the water and looking back at us, you know, at the audience, and it's it it it's it's an amazing film. It is like like it's 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 an amazing film. It really is. I think we're we're, we're both in the bag for the movie. Yeah, Most yeah, definitely. I do want to mention, and this is a quick aside, and I'll, I'll ask you because one of the reasons why we were eagerly awaiting to watch this uh, because we knew that this movie was going to be available on uh, Amazon, Amazon Prime, Prime mm-hmm. which is where we both watched it. Where also streaming on Amazon Prime is uh, another Oscar-nominated film okay. that received multiple Oscar nominations, and I believe it won. Multiple awards. Okay. Uh, Manchester by the Sea. Yes. That's also streaming on Amazon Prime. And I found it interesting. I haven't seen it. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I, yeah. I, okay. I, I've, I didn't. The movie's not bad. Okay. But it's a downer. Yeah. Um, but I found it interesting that upon turning on Amazon Prime, now, in, in full disclosure, I don't know whether or not the two films hit Amazon Prime at the same time. Right. So Manchester by the Sea may have just hit Amazon Prime. But you know how when you, you go on there and it'll show you like, you know, new releases. Yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. Stuff like that. Manchester by the Sea was up front and center <laughs> yes. of one of the new releases. Fair enough. It was an Oscar nominated film. But Moonlight. But Moonlight as you scroll through yeah, the best scroll. The new releases, yeah. and I know Moonlight only hit maybe a few weeks ago, yeah. maybe maybe two, three weeks yeah. ago tops. It was not even. It was not in the first twenty. I noticed that when when you expect it should be like on that first screen. Yeah, it was you know? the best picture. It was the Oscar nominee. <laughs> yeah. it, it it won the Oscar. Yeah. So it's not only there. And then I kept going because you know the new releases all the time. So yeah, maybe yeah, there's yeah. a whole bunch of new releases oh, that yeah. have come out. Oh yeah. It's still not there. Yeah. So then I went to do a search. Mm. So in searching, I typed in M O. Moonlight came up, but it was the fifth film that come came up. Ridiculous. Which you would think like Ridiculous. What I don't know what algorithm you're going by, mm-hmm. but the Oscar winning film that yes. just hit your stream should be one, maybe number two in the searches by its uh by its opening initials. Yes. Then I read the write up, you know, the little blurb sure underneath. And what did it say? I didn't even read it. I d- didn't read it, bro, you know, don't have it right here verbatim, but it doesn't mention the Oscar. See how they do us. Um, it basically gives you a rundown of the story. Now, I thought that maybe it does that because maybe it doesn't want to bias you. You know, like, oh, this is Oscar name, Oscar winning movie. You should watch it. I don't know why you wouldn't want to right, right, sell right. that movie like that. Right, it's right. the reason for it hitting there. But it's not. It doesn't say that. So then... I looked up what Manchester by the Sea said. Mm. What'd that say? Now, Manchester by the Sea, at least on my feed, did not mention the Oscar either. So maybe this is their... Maybe that's just their thing. Their thing. But I still found it interesting that the Academy Award winning movie of last year, Best Picture, is that hard to find 
on Amazon Prime. See how they do us. See how they do us. Well, that's why you got to listen to the Michelle Mission. We'll let you know. That <laughs> bothered me. Yes. And I think it's worth mentioning. Amazon, yes. get it together. Get it together or leave it alone. That's mm-hmm. old Jackson 5 song. <laughs> Is it? It's actually a title track from their album, Get It Together, G-I-T. You got to get it together or leave it alone. What album is that? It's from the album Get It Together. <laughs> no, but is that a, that's not a Philly International album. No, it's a Jackson 5 album. It's like one of their albums right before they left Motown. Okay, that's what I'm about to like, say. Yeah, so they, it's not one they did on Philly. No, no, it's, no, it's like... So it's one of their last Motown albums. Yeah, like, like all of them are the same. My boy calls it that moment when all of them are the same height. What's the hit on that album? Because that ain't it. Well, now that you ask, I believe Dancing Dancing Machine Machine is actually on that album. It has to be, yeah. And then when Dancing Machine became a hit, they put together some songs and released the album called Dancing Machine. On, but they but they had left already. Yeah, because that was really was that. But was that released by Motown? Yes, yeah. Dancing Machine is their last hit. Right, their last their their last hit on Motown. Right. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Done a lot of music this episode. I'm I'm. Here's the thing. I like this. Here's the thing. People don't know that, you know, if you listen to It's All Soul on um, Wednesdays at 8. I know. On G-Town Radio. G-TownRadio.com where you can hear streaming. You can hear Vince and his his cousin Daryl. And they play some great music. But Vince is not as loquacious on that show. (laughs) Because Vince likes to just maybe say a couple of words and then get right to the music. That's right. Except... The few times where I have been on that show, and I make you talk. I mean, I'm trying to get to the music. <laughs> yeah, but you have so much knowledge. I People mean, want to hear that I knowledge. Mean, yeah. We have so much interesting conversations during the break. I was I like, know. no, we are going to talk. I know. We are going to talk. <laughs> you are going to talk to me, man. Fool around, we have a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> or three. <laughs> I'm overdue to come back on this. I uh, know. I was just thinking that. Get you gabbing again. Yeah. Get that show to big mm-hmm. what it should be. Awesome. But Moonlight. You should see this. I don't know. If you haven't seen it, then what are you waiting for? You, you should absolutely see you it. You should sit down with your family um, and watch this Maybe show. not your family. I don't know if the kids can watch Moonlight. Okay. Okay. A kid. Fifteen. 14, 15 can watch 15, this film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, most certainly. So, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I was over the moon when it won the Oscar. Like, there's not in my wildest dreams did I think this would become a phenomenon like it became. Yeah. I'm so happy for Barry Jenkins. I'm so happy for everyone involved. So am I. Because cause this, this, this is a magnificent film. Here, here. And we'll be looking for those, uh, those, child actors see what they yeah. do next oh yeah their next role oh yeah I'm looking for everybody yeah it should be pretty cool so alright next week ladies and gentlemen uh, we mentioned it before we'll say it again we will be live 8pm on WPPM LP 106.5 FM here in Philadelphia phillycam.org streaming live we will do our live radio show where we're going to ask you to, to donate Make me see. Can y'all make me watch a year's worth of 
The Last Dragon. So by doing $820 and one cent, we will watch any Tyler Perry movie you want and do a Michelle Mission episode. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> All right. We're going to have fun. We're going to ho- have a whole lot of fun. Yeah. This show will be available on MichelleMission.com as well as on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and now Tune In. All right. You can find the Michelle Mission right there as well as on a cast, which is a, a new and exciting way for podcasters to get their product out there. Go to acast.com, A-C-A-S-T. Um, and we've got some exciting news next week that we'll be announcing about another podcast network that we will be joining alongside our brethren on the CLNS a podcast network beats and eats all right all right ladies and gentlemen it's uh oh this has been a monster show <laughs> i hope you've enjoyed yeah this obese edition yes. of the show mission uh i'm len he's vince and parting we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.